you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Good Morning Football is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. to Good Morning Football live from New York City. It's Tuesday, July 11th. My name is Jane Slater filling in for Jamie Erdahl, and we're all kind of filling in for the guys uh, here at the breakfast table. We've got my buddy here, Cam Wolf. We've got Ryan Leaf and Falcons Pro Bowl defensive lineman, Grady Jarrett. Well, time for... The lead block! CJ Stroud, impressive at OTAs in minicamp, according to coaches and teammates, including his left tackle, Laramie Tunsil, who said on the Pat McAfee show, quote, how do I describe CJ? Dog. He's a straight dog. He comes in there ready to work. He handles the huddle perfectly, and he goes out there and he balls, man. You've got to appreciate that, especially in a young quarterback. CJ had this to say on Sunday. Um, I think that's for me is just not only getting myself better, but getting everybody around me better. So just the throwing with my guys, uh, have a couple events that I'm going to go to with them and be able to have some chemistry, some, some team bonding events with them. And uh, I'm excited to do that because I think that's what it's all about. The, the closest teams are the best teams. So super excited to be able to work with such great people. And that's what it's all about. That's how you win. So just trying to build a really tight-knit team. And I want to be the forefront of that, of course, along, along with my other teammates. And excited to get started. Bit of a whirlwind down in Houston. You know, we saw Bill O'Brien go, the Deshaun Watson situation, but now we've got a new QB and, of course, a new head coach in D'Amico Ryans. So, Ryan, let's speak to you about your expectations for CJ Stroud and the, the new-look Texans in 2023. Well, I think expectations are, are high. When you draft a, a quarterback that high, one that's been that successful in college, as well as add a new head coach, there is this rebirth feeling to this. And the NFL sometimes does that a lot in the offseason, to regen, uh, rejuvenate the, the, the fan base, everything that goes into it. What we did see last year was a team that wasn't able to necessarily win a lot of games, but got better defensively, offensively, the skill position, things like that. And something that I think is going to benefit the young rookie quarterback is their offensive line is good. Mm. It's rare when you get a rookie quarterback to go to a team that gets drafted at the very top that the offensive line is necessarily put together and solid and consistent. So I think that's a big deal. Another big part of this, Damian Pierce, the rookie running back last year out of Florida. He was just a monster. He was uh, showcased on this show with Kyle Brandt over and over and over. And I think he got the, the saber at the end of the year for angry runs. And that's exactly what he does. That will relieve a lot of pressure from C.J. Stroud when things start to get tough a little bit, when you can rely on a running back uh, to do that work. Same thing in, in, in Indianapolis, I think, with Jonathan Taylor. When you got a running back and you can rely on that sometimes to get you some manageable third downs, 
I think that can go a long way. Yeah, Ryan, I think when you talk about this Texans team, I believe expectations should be measured. I think you made a great point about what they showed at the back end of last year, but I think the big move that I loved this offseason was them hiring D'Amico Ryans. I think he's going to be an excellent coach, and he and his expectations are that this team will be better sooner than people think. I talked to him at the Combine, and he was like, just keep an eye on us. It may not take as long as people think, but you got to remember where the Texans came from. The last three years, they have had the worst combined record of any team in the league. And we have a board to kind of show where these teams have been ranked. you got the Jags, the Jets, the Bears. The Jags trending upward. The Jets have Aaron Rodgers. The Texans, 11 38 and 1 over the last three years. They need a glimpse of hope that they'll exit this darkness. Every time we've talked about the Texans the last few years, it's been under the guise of the post-Deshaun Watson era. Everything's like post-Deshaun. Now it's the C.J. Stroud era. Now it's the Will Anderson era. Now it's the D'Amico Ryans era. And so last year, three wins. For me, six wins would be a, a great year one step. And then you can try to push to move in this division. Right now, the Jags are the class of the division, probably the team everybody's chasing. But they're on even playing field with everyone else. The Colts have a rookie quarterback in Anthony Richardson. The Titans are in a transition right now. They have Ryan Tannehill, Will Levis. Why can't C.J. Stroud jump them up ahead of the Colts, ahead of the Titans, and be right there as a top challenger for the Jags? And so that's what I'm eager to see. C.J. Stroud, I want to see his connection with Tank Dell. You shouted out the Cougs, Washington State. I'm a other Cougs alum, Houston, and so I love Tank <laughs> Dell. I think that he's going to be a great combo with C.J. Stroud. And then D'Amico Ryans with Will Anderson on the other side. I know it may be a little lofty, but D'Amico Ryans had a boza uh, when he was with the 49ers there. Can Will Anderson be his own version of that being the anchor of that defense. I think this team is going to be very eager to watch over the next two or three years to see how they grow. And, and Grady, I want to ask you this because, you know, we talk about rookie quarterbacks and yeah. we're talking about one here. Do you have any rookie stories of for you throughout your career facing a rookie quarterback and what that's like on the other side? Uh, nobody in particular, but I always know in defensive meetings, we always make it a point when, when the, we do, are facing a rookie quarterback. I know they want to always give them different looks. It's always We always want to get pressure on them, but um, you know it's different when that live bullet's flowing from when they're coming out of training camp and OTAs, so you never know what to really expect. So it's exciting when you see these young quarterbacks come out because, I mean, I mean, they highly drafted for a reason, you know, so they, they're going to make some great plays, but at the same time, they're going to have some struggles too. As a defensive player, you try to capitalize on them when, when you can. So, um, so yeah, so that's kind of, you know, how it is. And you play the Texans this year. I know yeah. it's, you know, yeah. not time to review the tape yet, but <laughs> what's your early view of, of CJ and maybe what you'll face when you go yeah, down Yeah, man, there? heck of a prospect. Heck of a prospect. Big, fast, got a heck of an arm. I love the way he competed against UGA um, over this past season. And I think they got a really good pick and uh, somebody to really, like you like you said earlier, revamp the whole um, organization with him and a new coach together. I'm sure they're going to um, do some good things together. I mean, let's look at the fact that the Texans already surprised us in the draft, right? Yeah. I mean, they, they got the interview going they went all in on some of these guys and when I look at the Houston Texans because I live in Dallas and I cover the Cowboys the Cowboys uniquely always steal the spotlight which I think is actually a good thing for Houston and CJ Stroud it sort of allows D'Amico Ryans and CJ Stroud to sort of get their bearings down there rebuild this organization I think they've got the right pieces I think to your point it's probably going to take them a little bit of time but you know some sneaky good guys they grabbed from the Cowboys Noah Brown and Dalton Schultz you know you were showing some of the tape yesterday of just Dalton Schultz and the connection that he was for Dak Prescott. For whatever reason, that wasn't really there for those two last year. 
you know, obviously it helped that the Cowboys had two young guys that came up uh, in the tight end room, but Dalton Schultz was good for Dak Prescott, and I think he's going to be really good for CJ Stroud, and I think Noah Brown is as well. So my expectations are to your to your going back to what you said earlier, Cam. This division is sort of wide open, and I've got a lot of faith in Tamika Ryan's, and again, I think they've got some of the pieces, but why not Houston? So the Texans could be viewed as a bit of a surprise team to make the playoffs, but who else? Who is your surprise team to make a playoff push in 2023 that I think maybe not necessarily was in the playoffs last year? So, Cam, who do you got? All right, Grady, I need you to close your ears for this. I'm going to go with the Carolina Panthers. I mean, I know, Grady, you're going to have something to say about that two times a year. But this team, they don't have a typical number one overall pick roster. Remember, they made that jump in the trade to go get Bryce Young. And when you look at this team, I spent some time with them in camp. I think that defense is already ready to be a playoff team. The offense is the one thing we've been asking about. And last year, they made their push. If you remember, they fired their head coach and Steve Wilkes took them and almost took them to the playoffs when they had Baker Mayfield and P.J. Walker and just a collection of Sam Darnold of quarterbacks. Now they have Bryce Young, and I'll tell you what, I know we were talking about rookie quarterbacks down there, but when I talk to people in Carolina, they say he does not act like a rookie. They said they're teaching him things that they teach quarterbacks in year two, year three, and look, he's small. I get all the jokes that are going to come out of him, but Thomas Brown, their offensive coordinator, said when you say hike, this dude is special. His ability to feel pressure within the pocket, his accuracy, his the way he's already taking hold of a locker room. I was down there, and Brian Burns said he's He's got this humble swag, but he also knows he's the stuff. Yep. I'll say that. And uh, I, I think this team is going to be a lot better than expected. Uh, if you want a fantasy nu- nugget, uh, draft Miles Sanders. I think that he is going to be a player that has a huge role on this team. Thomas Brown told me they want to get him back to how he was used in Philadelphia as a rookie when he caught 50-plus passes. He wasn't used like that recently, and so they'll lean on Miles Sanders. They'll lean on the offensive line. They think that is better than a lot of people think. And, and maybe there's some fun battles, you know, yeah. starting week one mm-hmm. with your Falcons, and you see, can you collapse the pocket on Bryce Young? Can he get the feel out against that new-look defense? I think this this Panthers-Falcons uh, battle is going to be fun to watch this year. Is a smaller quarterback a strength or a weakness for a team? I don't know either, you know, because I'm a quote-unquote smaller defensive tackle, you yeah. know what I'm saying? So I think they, he, the man was drafted number one for a reason, you know? And uh, I think we all going to find out, I mean, a while over time. And uh, so you got to give him his, you know, his due credit to, you know, prove it otherwise. So it is what it is. Got to prepare for him. Who else is going to prove us wrong this year? I'm going to go with the Browns. I think the Browns are going to have a good um, bounce-back season. They got a really good team, like, on paper. You know, uh, when we played them last year, they were really tough, really, really good offensive line. And uh, with uh, Deshaun having another year with them, you know, and he's a heck of a talent. And I think think they're going to get there and um, get back to the – I mean, I get back, get to the playoffs. And um, I I, I believe that Deshaun does some good things. Ooh, so – so the Browns get to the playoffs. What 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 team in the AFC doesn't get in then, man? Is it the Jets? It's the the Dolphins, the Steelers, the I don't think you guys for the surprise team. Yeah. I think I think they got a chance. I like you. Yeah. I, I am too. I think that division is unbelievably good, and that's going to be. Where do you see the Steelers next year? Well, I'm a Steelers fan, so let's yeah. not let's not yeah. let's not go there. I, right now, <laughs> I'd say that, right now that they're 17 and 0 and they're winning it all, and I'm tired of not having championships. <laughs> We're used to winning championships, people in Pittsburgh. Right? That's, I love Mike Tomlin, but 50, you know, above 500 is not is not quite good enough anymore. Everybody, right? Sorry. I digress. I'm all over the uh, the Atlanta Falcons. Let's Look go. at him endearing himself to you over there. <laughs> hey, I, I did this a couple weeks ago. I have you guys winning double-digit games. I like Arthur Smith. 
I love his mentality. I love how they've stacked the talent on the offensive side to help the young quarterback in Desmond Ritter. He does not turn the football over. The defense is improving. They've gotten better. They need to get uh, uh, get the ball back to this team and let them have as many chances on the offensive side of the football to score. So I think and if you look at the schedule, it's very opportunistic for this football team. I have them going 10-7, and seven, being the number six seed in the playoffs this year. So I'm, I'm excited for them. I'm excited for you to get back to the playoffs. And I expect everybody out there talking a little trash about the NFC South. Not so fast, my friend. The Saints and the Falcons are coming for you, everybody. Watch out. I really like that pick. I lived in Denver for three years and is probably one of the best sports towns I've ever lived in. Look at the success they've had with the Abs in recent years. The Nuggets, they are so frustrated with the Denver Broncos. 17 and 33 the last three seasons. Uh, The last time we were talking about success, Gary Kubiak was the head coach. Uh, Now you got Sean Payton. And you've kind of got me coming back over to the Russell Wilson. It was an outlier year, but here's what I love about Sean Payton. This guy loves when his back is against the wall. He loves a good challenge. Look what he did with Drew Brees when he came to New Orleans. He's all about getting, and it sounds like Russell Wilson loves to be guided from a psychological perspective. Mm -hmm. That's what Sean Payton does. Sean Payton finds a way to motivate his players. When I covered him in New Orleans, I was always fascinated the amount of attention that he would put into some of those pre-game conversations and the meetings to hype his players up. And so I think the Broncos, which seems obvious when you've got Sean Payton and Russell Wilson, but it should have been obvious last year with Nathaniel Hackett, and it wasn't. So I think this is going to be one of those sneaky little teams that finds their way into the playoffs, and I think they're going to do it in his first year. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Time now to welcome back to the show a three-time Super Bowl champion. He was vice president of player personnel for the New England Patriots, general manager of the Kansas City Chiefs, and assistant general manager of the Atlanta Falcons. We got Grady here. Now he's our front office analyst at NFL Network. Welcome back, Scott Pioli. Good morning, everyone. Yeah, Scott, Thanks let me for start- having me, man. Great to be with you. <laughs> Great to see you, Scott. Let me start you with this. Yesterday on this show, I mentioned that Dalvin Cook has a $2 million guarantee mm. in his contract owed still from the Vikings. And whatever team he wants to land in, we'll have to up the ante to be able to get him. Can you educate our audience a little bit on what that means from a front office perspective? I love that. Cam, I was so happy you brought up that point while I was watching the show because it impacts three different ways. So when the fact that he's guaranteed $2 billion, what that means for Dalvin Cook is that is his floor. He's guaranteed $2 million whether he plays or not. If he goes to another team, he has to make more than $2 million in order for him to make any new money, so to speak. When you look at it from the front office of the Vikings, what they love about this is they know that someone's going to pay him and that will mitigate 
the $2 million that they guaranteed him. So if another team pays him $4 million, well, they're off the hook, meaning the Minnesota Vikings are off the hook for their first $2 million, and then it's $2 million additional for Dalvin. But when you look at it as the new team, you brought the great point yesterday, Cam, about the fact that that is the floor for the new team. Dalvin Cook needs to make more new money from the team above $2 million in order for it to feel good to him. So $2 million is his floor. So the new team that signs Dalvin Cook is going to have to go well above and beyond in year one compensation and cash in order to make Dalvin Cook feel better. It's so interesting, the differing salaries. I mean, we're talking about some of these wide receivers and tight ends that are in the 13 to 15, and now we've devalued the running back to, well, he's got to get around 3 to $4 million. It's kind of wild, especially when you think about a guy like Dalvin Cook. Uh, but I love when we, we get front office insight from people like you, Scott, and you and Grady obviously go way back. You were part of the Falcons organization mm. that drafted him back in 2015. You know, in Frisco, my favorite thing is they've got the scouting report for Larry Allen and Troy Aikman. So now I want to know, when you go back and you look at Grady, what was the one thing in your scouting report that made you guys want to trade up to get him that year? There wasn't one thing, Jane. There were so many things. Yesterday when I saw Grady on air, I went down to the Pioli archives, grabbed the 1995 (laughs) draft book. I grabbed out Grady's report. I got to put that up quick and get it down so people can't see it. (laughs) You know, we were sitting there that year We were going to be picking at 146 overall. The Vikings were at 137. Thomas Dimitrov got on the phone, made a deal with Rick Spielman. We jumped up because, yes, it was the fifth round, but Grady was a player that we absolutely loved. We loved him on film. I had had the chance to not only see him on film, but I was up there in practice at Clemson, got to see him play there. But then we went up. It was March 30th. 2015, we went up to work out Grady and Vic Beasley. We ended up taking Vic Beasley in the first round. But as we talked more and more about Grady, he was the absolute perfect fit for everything that we wanted as a Falcon. And I'll tell you, if you're ever running a football team, you're a head coach, Grady is everything that you want. Absolutely. It was funny. I also went back yesterday and looked at his psychological profile. Now, I'm not going to get into the details, Grady, but I do want to talk about this. This is part of what they said. We want the details. No, I'm serious. This is really important. He was one of the rare 10 out of 10s. That is so rare. He was an overall 10 on our psychological report. And it says here, Grady Jarrett will set the example for the team for hard work, commitment, and excellence. He will not be satisfied with relying on natural ability. Jarrett's warrior attitude and mental and physical toughness consistently stands out. His ability to focus is a part of his good mental quickness, which will provide significant edge for him in terms of ability to make reads quickly and execute. So I know this is going long, but I'm telling you what, that is everything that you want out of a player, everything that you want out of a player that plays that position. And there were a lot of people that talked about his height, he's too short, his physical stature, he's got short arms. Grady was a ball player and a leader, and that's what we wanted. I could make a full show out of this. I'm sorry to take so much time. I know the producers are pulling pulling their hair out right now. How does that make you feel to hear that? Much love, Grady. Yeah, man. Thank you, man. That made me feel amazing, man. That made me feel amazing. Thank you for that. And uh, I'm just, you know, trying to continue to build on year by year and keep going and keep going. Yeah, so, uh, Scott, earlier in the show, we asked you what needs to happen in order for the Lions to live up to the hype of 23. So what do you think for the Lions, what they got to do to live up to all the hype that they got? It's going to start 
with their head coach and their front office. They cannot believe the hype. If they believe the hype, they are going to become public enemy. And what I'm saying is Dan Campbell, their head coach, is going to have to make sure that he manages a young football team, a team that is not very mature in years. If you look at their roster, they've got only four players, including their long snapper, that are 30 years old or older. So mentally and emotionally, this is a young football team. Dan Quinn and the front office are going to have to make sure that they manage the team, manage their expectations, play with confidence and feel like they're a good team because they are a good team and they're a well-coached team, but they're going to have to be reminded that they can't just come out there and win games. Just because the public is saying something, they have to manage their own expectations. So to me, it's going to be really, really important. And, and I don't know this for sure, but my guess is Dan, uh, Dan Campbell is a Bill Parcells disciple. He played for Coach Parcells. He coached under Coach Parcells. And I guarantee you that Parcells has probably read the newspaper clippings and called Dan and said, hey, are they fitting you for the gold jacket yet? Are they fitting you for your Super Bowl rings yet? Make sure you tap the brakes, Dan. Go out and win some games. What is it? Don't take the cheese? <laughs> Don't eat, eat the, rat the cheese. Exactly right. <laughs> Scott, that was pretty special with what you just did going back with Grady. And I can tell his, his body language. Mm -hmm. we, we don't, as athletes, and as someone is as humble as him, for as great a player he is, he's been so humble the mm -hmm. last couple days. It's hard to hear praise like that sometimes. It feels so good because you like, <laughs> I need to keep working. And so it was just something really special to see here on TV. So thank you for giving us that. Let's go to Indianapolis. Jim Mersey talked about the best way mm. for rookie quarterback Anthony Richardson to get better is to have him play. You know, he's only played 13 games. Ultimately, it will be up to head coach Shane Steichen to determine what and when that time will be. Your thoughts on him getting a rookie quarterback on the field early and often versus letting him watch and learn first, especially when you invested a fourth overall draft pick on the quarterback. Yeah, Ryan, you know, truthfully, everything in life is circumstantial. And to make a blanket statement as you need to do this or do that, I don't th this is another one of the situations where there is not a blanket statement that applies. You have to look at the circumstance because I believe that player development is very circumstantial. You're also looking at a young player who's only had 13 career starts in college. This isn't the 45 career starts that Peyton Manning had or that other players had a lot of, you know, a lot of starts and a lot of experience. So to me, I think what they need to do is make sure that they eliminate the emotion, eliminate the impulse, take things as it comes, see how the team receives the player as well. Because again, in order for a player to develop, especially a quarterback, he needs to have good players around him also. It isn't just the player, it's the support and structure and infrastructure that's around him as a player. So I think this is one of those things they don't know right now. They shouldn't know right now. They have to see how things grow and how they evolve during training camp. All right, yep. well, the highly anticipated Netflix documentary series Quarterback aims to give viewers the behind-the-scenes look at what it takes to be a quarterback in the NFL. The series is set to premiere tomorrow and will feature three quarterbacks from the 2022 season. They include Patrick Mahomes, Kirk Cousins, and, hey, you know this guy, Grady, Marcus Mariota. Mm. You can start screaming, streaming Quarterback or scream for it uh, tomorrow only on Netflix. You know, guys, I think it's interesting, you know, especially with podcasts and Instagram that, you know, players were getting a little bit more of an insight in who they are. I mean, I feel like football has always been so different than, say, basketball, where you actually see the faces of these guys. You see their jersey numbers, and there is so much promotion around the NBA, whereas with 53 guys on a roster, you don't 
always get like an insight into who they are under the helmet. And I think that's why I love doing my job, Cam, mm -hmm. is when I get these guys away from the locker room and you get to know their wives yeah. or their why or their children or what shaped them, you find yourself cheering for them. And I feel like sometimes, especially football players, and maybe Grady, you can speak to this, it's almost like people just see you as a number or their fantasy football player of the week that's helping them in, in their fantasy football drafts. So do you like seeing this too, that it sort of humanizes some of these guys, particularly Marcus Mariota, who we may or may not see this year. Yeah, yeah. So you said it, it humanizes us as, as people instead of just the players the, and the, the guys under the helmet, you know, the Warriors with the numbers, um, because everybody has a story. No matter how we all got to the NFL, everybody got their own story and everybody got a family. Everybody got somebody that love them, care about them. But uh, from the outside looking in, whether you, uh, whether the fan is like deep in like fantasy or whatever people in, they, they just see him as a, you know, like a product. But um, I'm super excited to, um, to watch this. This uh, Netflix show, but I'm um, seeing guys like Marcus be able to tell a story, Kirk Cousins, and I mean, everybody want to know what Patrick Mahomes up to, but um, I'm super, super excited. I think the guy I'm more looking forward to is um, Kirk Cousins. Uh, I think he's done such a good job in the NFL for the time he's been in, and um, you got to realize the things that he done overcome, like playing on like two franchise, franchise tags before you get a big deal. Yeah. That's at a quarterback. That's such a big risk to take. So obviously, you see him. He's a you know calm, well demeanor guy. But I mean, he definitely bet on himself. He fiery and stuff like that. So I'm excited to see a little more about Kirk Cousins, some behind the scenes, and what kind of guy he is. So um, I'm a fan of him from afar. You spoke to the uh, humanity of it. I, and I also think the the Damar Hamlin situation last year really for the first time for whatever reason, humanized the player behind the helmet. And so when you get an opportunity to do something like this and the transparent aspect of what this brings to the table with one of the best in the NFL and Patrick Mahomes, another one who's kind of been a bit of a journeyman who has done the right thing along the way. And then the Marcus Mariota storyline for me is huge because most of the time, this is what a roller coaster season feels like for a quarterback. Ultimately, he would be benched in this 22 season. He would have a child. He would go away from the team. They moved the rookie quarterback up. This is kind of what a roller coaster season feels like for most NFL quarterbacks. The exception to that rule are the likes of Patrick Mahomes and Peyton Mannings and Tom Brady's. The other ones are trying to make a living at it and to figure it out. So I think this is going to be the most interesting one out of the three. Yeah, I want to see the, how, how deep they go in details with the Marcus Mariota situation. I was there in camp where Arthur Smith was asked about it, and he was like, Netflix does a good job. I'm sure there'll be some good parts and some <laughs> historical fiction as well. And so, you know, I, I'm eager to see how that impacts. But my big big takeaways, I want to see Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. This dude is the best quarterback in the league, uh, maybe one of the best to ever play the game. Um, but we don't really get to see all that goes into being Patrick Mahomes, all that goes into the work in a week uh, to be as great as he is on the field. I know him a little bit. He's actually very down to earth. He's a regular dude, and so we'll get a glimpse of that. But also the, the work. We see the special plays he makes on Sunday, but you don't see the film review. You don't see the time away from his family to be able to be great in this element. Um, and I think it'll be a, a, a insight for us, but also maybe for other quarterbacks to see just that extra step you have to take to be a multi-Super Bowl winner, uh, MVP, uh, and everything that he is. So I can't wait to see this Netflix documentary for all the three of these guys. Uh, coming up this week. Look, we love hard knocks, but I love that when they really go deep, because I always feel I'm, I'm wanting a little bit more sometimes when I watch hard knocks, and it's always hard to you know tell the story of every guy on the team. So fire that one up on Netflix, and uh, I'm sure we'll be talking about that here on the show. But Good Morning Football is coming back after this. Some final moments with this group as uh, some of us wrap it up for the week.
you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. We've got a quarterback, former quarterback here, and a defensive lineman in studio. So let's break down our favorite opponents on the other side of the ball in another edition of Three on Three. Brady Jarrett joining us here. Um, Whenever I prepared for games, uh, we're each going to go present our top three lists. I'll be breaking down my top three favorite defensive linemen. You, of course, are going to reveal your top three quarterbacks you have gotten to take to the ground. Yes, sir. All right, I'm going to go first. Uh, this guy absolutely uh, was a part of my life since I was about 18 years old. Daryl Russell, former USC Trojan, who just got after my tail in college and then was drafted by the Oakland Raiders, which meant I had to face him twice a year. He was a force in the middle, very similar to what Grady does. Big, physical just pushed guys to the side and ultimately got the quarterback on the ground. Unfortunately, we lost him in 2005, but this was a good way to remember him. He was an incredible player and someone that I really look up to and enjoyed playing against every single time. All right, Grady, we're going to give you your quarterback you love to sack the most, your number three spot. Who do you got? Uh, for my number three spot, and then all the quarterbacks I've sacked so far, I'm going to go with, with Russell Wilson as my third <laughs> favorite to sack. Just because, I mean, he's such a good good quarterback, man. Once he, he was at Seattle, he had all, I mean, he had the city on lock. So every time we played him, I just, I just, I don't know. I just want to go give him a big hug. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, Russell Wilson is definitely he, my top three quarterbacks. I enjoy sacking and um, heck of a player. And they always brought out the best in me and um, and love to compete against him. You, you talk about bringing out the best in you. I, I think that's probably, when you go up against somebody like Russell Wilson, especially when he vacates the yeah, pocket a lot and moves yeah. around, when you're going into a game like that, what was your mindset on how to corral him and then get him on the ground? You got to close the pocket fast because if he get out in the open, get to running around, now he might got the advantage on me. You know what I'm saying? So so you got to get it, get disrupt the pocket fast, get try to split the double team, and um, get there as soon as you can because once he get out, that's when he is best. You know, moving around the pocket, making big plays downfield. So our best option was to, to get him, not let, not let him get out of the class fast. Yeah, get him on the ground. My number two defensive lineman played in Arrowhead Stadium where rookie quarterbacks – careers go to die and that's exactly (laughs) what Mr. Derek Thomas did in a big game against me my third game in the NFL he he was special he was he was undersized he was able to get around the edges and get after the quarterback Uh, he got after me quite a lot if I could just simply pick up the ball there it was a rainy rainy day there in uh, Arrowhead but Derek Thomas had a heck of a game you know this is this is kind of a way to memorialize guys as well too Derek, of course, unfortunately, lost his life, too, uh, before his career was over. And uh, he was a special player and someone that I thought we should recognize because of how great he was at what he did. All right, Grady, who's your number two quarterback you like to say? So my number two quarterback might be a surprise that he's my number two, but my number two quarterback favorite sack is Tom Brady. Got to uh, sack him three times in the Super Bowl. 
And uh, a couple of times when he was down in Tampa Bay, the best to ever play the game. And, um, you know, just being able to, you know, have a coming out party, just playing against him in the Super Bowl was good. But, I mean, at the end of the day, he won the game. So I'm a little salty about that still. But, um, but yeah, but he, number two, I got a treat for you for my, for my number one. But I love, love second Tom Brady. Did you get a jersey from him? I haven't got a jersey, man. I think I deserve a little jersey, yes. though. I mean, much yeah. much time we done spent together in the backfield, man. You know what I'm saying? Just just out of just out of love and a little apology to me too for <laughs> for what we shall not speak about. <laughs> that play last year is one you're talking about, probably, right? I mean, you, you said it. So. Yeah, yeah. I, like, I, I want to talk about that, Grady. We'll talk about I want to talk about that too. So you wrapped him up, you you spun him around, you let him go, and you were up, and you get called for the flag on the man, deal. Man, quarterbacks. You know, I had to be the, I mean, you know what? If, if we can start getting better officiating on that, I'll, I'll take the fall. I'll, I'll right, take the fall right, for all right. defensive linemen. Right. You if know, you, if you I had to go through the, that so we don't have to go through that this next coming season. I love that? it. I love it. Uh, uh, a monument of change. Yep. Yes. Yep, yep I'll be there. All right. <laughs> Speaking of a monument of a man, my number one defensive lineman to go up against simply is one of the best. A uh, guy who's been able to transition from the league to an incredible post-career. But Michael Strahan from the New York Giants, his time against me, my rookie year, as well as my time with him uh, with the Dallas Cowboys. He's just a guy that that got after the quarterback. He was able to put people on the ground. He was athletic. And, Brian, you got to get rid of the football. All right? You just got to get rid of the football. That's what rookies do. They hold on to the ball too long, and they allow guys like Michael Strahan to get extra sacks. Okay? And I will say this, too, about Michael. He's maybe one of the most personable human beings that I know. When I went through all my struggles and I – had to deal with a lot of things. Michael Strahan was one of the men that actually reached out and continues to be a, a confidant and a mentor, especially in this broadcasting game. So I will allow this. I will allow this, Michael Strahan, simply because of the man you are. He was the guy at number one who was the funnest to go up against as a defensive lineman. All right, Grady, your yep. number one quarterback you wanted to see on the ground. My number one quarterback I wanted to see on the ground. I'm sure the Falcons fans will appreciate this. Man, the legend himself, Drew Brees. Uh, I remember playing them. Um, they had like a two and a half, three sack game against them. Early in my career, I had a sack. It's funny, this sack right here. I, I didn't realize I even sacked him. I can't see I looked down. Yep. But um, <laughs> and tripped over. But yeah, so sacking Drew Brees, man. And, and usually, you know, for Drew, as quick as he get the ball out, you would always think that you want we wouldn't have time to get to him. But um, I mean, I always got some good hits on him and got him to the ground. And being in New Orleans, taking that fight to you know to their king, you know what I'm saying? It's, it, it meant it meant it meant a lot to me. You know what I'm saying? So. Uh, so, yeah, Drew Brees going to be number one top of my list. And twice a year you got a chance to yeah. go up against him. Uh, let's go back and revisit this, of course. Uh, my number one, Michael Strahan. Your number one, Drew Brees. Derek Thomas. Yours is Tom Brady. Daryl Russell and Russell Wilson. Uh, those, are, those are pretty darn great quarterbacks. Pretty darn great defensive lineman right up there with you, Mr. Jarrett. Cam, what Did, do you guys think about all this? Yes. I, wanted, I wanted to know who said the funniest thing to you after – they took a hard sack. Most of the time, they don't talk to me. They'll use, I'll hear them like yelling at the offensive line or something. They'll be like, man, come on, tighten up now. It was like at the hits or like sacks and stuff like that. So I always hear them like get to the offensive line, but they don't say too much to me too much. Yeah, I, I, as you were talking about sacking Drew Brees, I just felt all of Falcons Nation cheer. Yeah. yeah. The disdain of Drew Brees for Falcons fans is one of the most hilarious things man. to me. You said, hey, is this your king? I felt like you were doing a little Black Panther, <laughs> yeah. putting him over the, is this your king? <laughs> <laughs> yep, yeah, so getting to him, man, that, that, that was awesome. 
Well, you know what they say, don't quit your day job. I am back to the beat and heading home. You go at the end of the week. Grady, you get back to camp here pretty soon. We've enjoyed getting to know you. I hope the fans have as well. We played Two Lies and a Truth earlier. Yep. And apparently you played one of the more underrated instruments. The 80s loved it for background music. Yep. Richard Marks, can you, you feel me on this? Oh, yes. Huey Lewis in the news? The sexy sax. Yeah, I played a saxophone in middle school growing up. I was in the band. I was in the chorus. So I was really I was really well-rounded kid. And I, I know a lot of people probably wouldn't think that. But yeah, I used to love, love to play it. And, um, yeah. Can you still rip on it? I can do a little something. It's been a minute. It's been a minute. But um, I used to be real good. But... What was your go-to song? Uh, whatever they, they put. I can read the music real good. Oh, so, uh, Ooh, okay. Look at this. Yep. I'm trying to take up piano here recently and trying yep. to go back and learn the notes. That's that's a great one it, to have. It gets harder as you get older. I'm a huge Bruce Hornsby and the range guy. So yeah, that's all piano-driven music. Yeah. Yep. Well, I've enjoyed getting to know you guys hanging out. You got Sarah Walsh in and Jalen Smith is going to be here later this week. You have fun the rest of your time in New York and thank you for tuning in. They'll see you here tomorrow. Go Falcons! You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.